Welcome back, everybody. This is Jessica, and you're listening to the Pineapple Podcast, Stories of Infertility. I can't believe it's already episode seven, but here it is, episode seven, Laura. Another week, another episode. Welcome back. This week, my guest is Laura, and I know Laura from a exercise place that I actually work at, another one of my jobs. It's called Bar 3, and Laura was a client and then became an instructor and now is back to being a client, but um, she's somebody that I've known for a few years and always knew that she struggled with um, some infertility issues, but didn't know to the extent of them. So this conversation was really interesting. Um, Laura has struggled with secondary infertility after her two daughters were born, and she has not so much struggled to get pregnant, but has struggled to stay pregnant. We also touch a little bit on postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and what that meant for Laura and how that kind of shaped building her family, um, which is such an important thing to talk about. She is so open and honest, and um, I really appreciate her, her doing this and her sharing her story. So without further ado, here it is, Laura's infertility story. Hey, Laura. Hi. Hi. Thank you for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I know Laura from Bar 3, um, which is, I'm an instructor at Bar 3, and she started as a client and then became an instructor and then is back as a client. So we've kind of known each other for a while now, a couple years. Yeah. How long have you been an instructor? Like five years? Five years. Yeah. So, so a while. But this is the first I'll hear her story and your story kind of from the beginning. Um, I always I knew that you had had miscarriages, um, but that's pretty much all I all I know and knew. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. we can start from the beginning. Um, did you always know you wanted kids? I did. Yes, and my my husband and I have known each other forever. Um, since high school. So, you know, like I knew his family, he's one of three, I'm one of four. We both come, aren't you one of four also? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have three sisters. So um, we both came from biggish families. Um, And yeah, we always knew we wanted kids. We got married in 2007, but we were both in grad school. So we waited to get pregnant until we were done with grad school. And then um, how long was that from when you got married to when you would, would be starting? Um, it was like probably like a year and a half. Um, when we got, well, no, must've been, we got married in 2007. John graduated in 2009. So it was two years. Okay. Um, pretty much right when John graduated from law school, we started trying. Um, so yeah, I, I had already gone off the birth control before for the birth control, <laughs> gone off birth control. I just didn't, I just don't like horm- hormonal birth control. So um, I already knew my cycle and all that. 
Um, and as soon as he graduated, we kind of started with my, and I was young, I was 20, I would have been 28 at that time. And we took a year to get pregnant with our first, um, which was stressful. Um, like you mentioned in your episode, like waiting each month and my sister was getting pregnant and having kids. So it was like every month you kind of like automatically plan that that is the month that it happens and you start planning how you're going to tell your family and, oh, the due date's going to be around September. So what is that going to look like and all that stuff? Yes. I looked Um, at that. Like there's like a website where you can put in the day you ovulate and I looked at it like every month. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) I know. Don't do that. Um, But yeah, then we got pregnant and that first pregnancy was fairly uneventful. Um, And so my older, oldest daughter was born in January, 2011. Um, And then we lived in Sacramento at that time. And then when she was a year and a half, we moved to San Jose um, because we were both from here. So it was like, just made more sense. And then, um, honestly, that first year of my daughter's life was, like, really hard. I had pretty bad postpartum depression. So my husband was like, I don't think I want another kid. That was really hard. Um, And that partly was because, I mean, I probably would have gotten it anyway, but I had, like, grand plans. I feel like fertility is like this, too. I had grand plans that I was going to have, like, a med-free birth. I was going to labor at home for as long as I could. And in the end, I was like rushed into an induction because her heart rate was looking poor at an appointment and end up with an emergency C-section. So it was like, it just didn't start. I'm a planner and I prepare for things. It didn't start the way that I thought it would. So um, yeah, so my husband was like, I don't think I want another any more kids. But when we moved to San Jose and my daughter got older, we kind of were like, okay, well, let's just have another kid. So the second, Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. So you yeah. mentioned postpartum. How was that for you? It was really hard. Um, what was that like? I mean, for me, it was it was postpartum anxiety and OCD. Okay. So I had this like irrational thoughts that like for me it it manifests that I'm not capable of taking care of my daughter, that other people could do it better. Um, that's how it manifested for me and and a lot of blame so like I blame myself for the c-section and like anything that was wrong with my daughter like clearly it was because I had a c-section or because I didn't breastfeed the right way and like gotcha um yeah but luckily I had really good um OB at the time and she got me up hooked up with a therapist and a psychiatrist so like I had the support I needed um that's great it sounds like your husband was also support was he supportive through it too yeah yeah and we had I don't know if you've heard of Jenny's light you can look it up it's like um no it's an organization that is there's this um woman named Becky and her twin sister and we know her through like one of my husband's friends okay her twin sister had like postpartum psychosis and like killed herself and her baby (laughs) like oh my gosh yeah so and that had happened only like six months before my daughter was born. So it was on our wow. radar. It was on John's radar too. So yeah. he took it pretty seriously. Yeah. Is that so, like, a, are they an organization? Then? Yeah. So Jenny's Light, you can look it up. They are an organization um, that, they, I mean, Becky lives in Santa Cruz, the person who runs it. 
um, like there's a five virtual 5k next weekend, like raise money. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and so they support, like they give, um, resources for postpartum depression and. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did decide to have another kid and, and actually got pregnant really fast (laughs) the second time. Like we were like, okay, let's have another kid. And then I was pregnant. Um, so that was, 2013 so I had we had our second in the in January of 2014 so I have two January babies um and so yeah and then we just were kind of like coasting you know I was much better armed so I was upfront with my new OB like I get postpartum depression like she started me on meds before I delivered I had a plan c-section like it was much better and smoother in that regard um, is it more, is it more common if you've had postpartum with one pregnancy to have it again? Yeah. And, okay. and I think, I think, and I think a lot of doctors think this too, that I was, I've always been, I've always, you know, struggled with anxiety, but it was never bad enough. I could always cover it up. I could always function, but this was just like the thing that kind of broke me and needed. And I, and I'm an advocate that everyone should get like mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, when they need it and therapy yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, because I'd had it once, they were like, yeah, you'll probably have it again. I ended up yeah. having pretty bad gestational diabetes with that second pregnancy. Like, oh man, the whole last 12 weeks, I was on insulin, like high doses of insulin, and had to like check my blood sugars after every meal. And that was a slight complication, but yeah. Um, but her birth, everything was good. You were able to plan yeah. it a little bit more, which probably. Yeah. Felt, yeah. Felt so nice. I, walked, I walked into the C-section. They originally scheduled her C-section for December 31st, but then they decided to push it a few days so that I guess that's a common day for people to try to have a baby like on New Year's Eve. So, oh. <laughs> so they were like, let's push it back a few days. Um, yeah. So she, yeah. She's not the fourth, one. is she? She's is she the, the fourth? Oh, okay. My husband's yeah. the fourth. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. She's January 3rd. Um, yeah. So that was much better. And her first year was so much better. Um, I ended up not working for like nine months. So that was, that helped. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we went through the trenches of like two young kids and them getting sick all the time. And then in like, we were kind of talking about, Oh, like maybe let's have a third. Um, and then we got pregnant. So this was in the fall of 20, I have to like think backwards, 2015. Um, fall so like of a year and a half after your second. Yeah. She was almost okay. two basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that pregnancy right away was like such a roller coaster. Like I started having really bad bleeding, like almost immediately. Um, and was like at the doctor all the time. And they were like, Oh, I see this like bleed, but it's common. It'll resolve and you'll be fine. And it did resolve and the pregnancy progressed. And then I went in for, um, and I, I'm not a very happy first trimester pregnant person. Like I, first of all, my anxiety is always, it's worse in the first trimester. I 
it's a scary time. And I think hormones are make it worse. Uh, and I'm sick. Like I'm like throwing up every day. And so it's just, it's a hard, usually lasts like 16 weeks for me. Okay. So I was not feeling well. And I went in for my 14 week appointment and it was like, there was nothing there. The baby was, I had no signs of a miscarriage, but there was the heart had stopped. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. So it's, it's totally one of the worst things. Like so the doctors, they always like double check. So she went out and she brought another doctor in and on the ultrasound, they're like, yes, I'm so sorry. There's no heartbeat. Um, and then it's this just like vortex. It's so weird. It's like suddenly it's like me and my husband and we had driven separately because it was like a Friday afternoon and like, we're being told like, we'll call you to schedule a surgery and here, or like talking through the options. But because I was so far along, it was basically like, you should probably do a surgery because even if we try to let you go natural or they can do like a pill, um, because you're so far along, your chances that that goes smoothly is low. So you should do the surgery. And I, at that point was like, yes, let's just like do the surgery. And the surgery you mean like a DNC? It's a DNC. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but this was a Friday afternoon. So like nothing was going to happen. And like, in the meantime, my kids are at school. So, you know, a daycare and I'm like, okay. So we called like my parents and they got my kids and I just like, John, we, I'm pretty sure I'm that time I actually drove myself home somehow and just like in a stupor and just like, and it's, I think one of the craziest things is like my, my body still felt pregnant. Like I still was nauseous. I still had tender breasts, like everything. Um, yeah. So then, so that was like a Friday, I think on like Tuesday I had the DNC. Um, but then like two days later, I remember I was going to bar three and because exercise has always helped me like in these times, like in that time, I think I would do like doubles, like quite frequently I would go like at 9am and then 1015 or I'd like go to 1015 and then come back at noon. Um, but I remember they were saying like, oh, you, you'll probably bleed a little bit. So like, maybe don't exercise for a couple of days, but I was like not bleeding at all. So I called my OB just to like, and I, her and I have like a really good relationship. And, um, I'm like, I'm not bleeding like at all. Is that okay? Like, can I work out? And then she ended up calling back and was like, oh, I had just got a call from pathology and they found fatty tissue um, in the, whatever they removed, which means it was from me. Like a fetus at 14 weeks does not have any fat. So she's like, I need you to come back to the office and I need to look at an ultrasound. Um, and it turns out she had completely missed the pregnancy. Yeah. Oh so my she gosh. And had ruptured my uterus. Um, because the standard DNC, they go in blind. Like they don't use any ultrasound guidance or anything. They just like go in blind. So I guess the way my like uterus was like sitting. I was going to say, was the, was, had it like attached in a weird spot or something? I just think my uterus, like my anatomy is such that it was, I don't know, way up in the corner. Okay. And when she stuck the instrument in, it just like went too far. So, um, yeah. So that was oh my like gosh. so crazy. 
So then I had to go back for another surgery with like a more, uh, with like a different surgeon who basically is, there's this only, because the next level, which is a DNE, is like medically an abortion, there's only certain people that can do it um, within each medical group. And so, do you know what the E through. stands for? Um, I think it's extraction. Okay. Yeah. So, like, DNC is dilation. Them. And so, a DNC, they like just kind of, it's pretty graphic, but they just scrape. Yeah. yeah. And a DE, they like pull out pieces. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I did that. Um, we sent the um, products of conception. That's what they call it. Very. Okay. I mean, all these things, like the terminology is so terrible. Like yeah. even on the, um, you know, all the insurance forms, they call it an, a medical abortion. Like that's the, the term for it. So, um, but we sent the the products of conception off to get tested just to look for any genetic thing that we could like, Mm -hmm. we were just, yeah, just hoping to find like a reason. Um, and it all came back fine. Um, so, um, they told me to wait a little bit because she had, it turns out that like puncturing your uterus sounds very scary, but yeah, I was going to say, what did they say after that? They were like, it'll heal pretty quickly, which makes sense if I think about it logically, because like I had a C-section where they cut my uterus open. True. So, yeah. True. Um, this was like a much smaller hole. Yeah, I, I there's a lot of blood the, flow to that area too. Yeah. I think one of the dangers of like a puncturing it is like she could have punctured my bowels or something else, but okay. Um, yeah. She's like, no, it'll be a tiny little scar. You, nothing. It won't, it'll be fine. So that was all in uh, February of 2016. Okay. Um, so we did wait a few months. Go I ahead. have a question. Yeah. Um, so, so you were 14 weeks. So by that point, had you told like people? I had, yeah. I had told like all, a lot of friends, actually the night before my appointment, I had gone out to dinner with friends and told them I was pregnant. Um, and someone else at the table also announced they were pregnant and do like the same week as me. My sister was pregnant and do like a week after me. Um, so yes, I, I had not told many people at work. I had told my direct, my department chair Mm -hmm. because he was planning for next year. And I was like, I'm having a baby in September. The quarter starts in September. Um, I'm not going to be teaching. So I kind of told him so he could like plan better. Mm-hmm. Um, that ended up being useful having told him because then when I lost the baby, there ended up being two weeks left in the quarter. Um, and he was able to, he took over my class. Like it was easier to, to tell him like, Oh, I lost the baby. Yeah. Rather than being like, I'm pregnant and lost. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended how up. How were your How were your girls? How did they? Because they so, were pretty. How old were yeah, they then? Claire was two, and Ellie was five. Okay, so, so Ellie probably kind of got a yeah that you had did. baby in your tummy. Yeah. Yep. So she got it, um, and she she I don't know. She talks about it a lot now. Okay. She didn't then. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, yeah. 
I, I think she talked about it at school a little bit, but yeah, they mostly just rolled. And which is one of the hardest things is like one of the hardest and best things. It's like having the miscarriage and having kids because like mm-hmm. I couldn't just like curl in my bed. Cause like I have a two year old. Um, and it was, so some days I wanted to, but at yeah. the same time, like having a reason to get up was good. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so then that all so, was done. Yeah. And so that was like February. We decided to kind of wait through the summer and like pretty sure that was the summer that I spent like three and a half weeks with the girls in central Oregon. Like we just, yeah. Um, and then in the fall we were like, okay, let's try again. We got pregnant in October of 2016. Um, and that one, I mean, I was just so anxious the entire time, entire time, but my OB was great. She like brought, and I, you, this is the thing, like I, it's the same OB, the same OB that like ruptured my uterus. Like I still steer. Um, but because she made a mistake, you know what I mean? Like, and I think partly it was because I have like, I don't know. I just try to let experts at things be experts at things and like realize that everyone makes mistakes. And like, I know she didn't do it on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. you know, some people think it's weird that I still see her, but, um, but yeah, so she brought me in like every two weeks and, you know, did blood tests at the beginning to make sure my numbers were doubling and, I had and so this one, be- you got pregnant quickly too. So you were getting pregnant easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Up until this point, we were getting pregnant easily. Um, so yeah, this one took like three months of like very careful tracking and our cycles and stuff, but nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. No extras. Anything. No. Um, so yeah, the, our pregnancy, I also had a big bleed at the beginning they found the same like subcrania hemorrhage. It resolved. Um, okay. I've heard one, of that before. Yeah. So that's what I had in the third pregnancy and then this one, um, which is very scary to mm-hmm. see blood when you're yeah. pregnant. Um, so yeah. And I even like, so then it was like January we did our, um, what's that? The high level ultrasound at 12 weeks, the NST where they like measure the, um, nuchal fold screen for, yeah. So we did that at like 12, 13 weeks and everything looked great. And, um, and so then it was January and I was going back to start a new quarter, um, teaching and I was showing because I just, I show easily have like a short torso. I don't know, but I was already into my second trimester. Um, I'm, you know, was older by then. Anyway, I eventually told my students because apparently there were, they were like rumors that I was like very pregnant and going to like leave that quarter because I was pregnant and have the baby. Um, so like other professors were telling me that. So I told my students like, oh, I'm pregnant, but I'm not due till this one was due in July until July. So we'll get through the quarter just fine. Um, yeah. So then I went to another OB appointment at like 14 weeks. That one was fine. And so at that point I was like, oh, cause I kind of had like reached the pat, the point of the last pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I felt like better. Um, and so then my next appointment was 16 weeks and I went in and she was trying to find the, um, 
heartbeat with just like the Doppler, which is just like a little stethoscope thing. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't find it. And um, 16 weeks can be too early, but I just like, my heart sank and she's like, don't panic. And, can be too early for what? Uh, to find the heartbeat just using the Doppler. Okay. Got it. For that time, they always use like the ultrasound. They always like okay. do a tr- transvaginal ultrasound to like look at the baby and okay. feel the heartbeat. But by 16 weeks, you can sometimes, even by 12 weeks, you can like hear it just by using like a little Doppler on the abdomen okay. on the outside. Okay. Um, and at those appointments, all they usually do is like listen, okay, count the heartbeat, and then that's it. Okay. Um, so she could, and sometimes at 16 weeks, like this happened with Claire too, like you're, uh, I forgot the the baby can like attach to the front of the uterus so that it's harder to hear the sound okay um, so I was like oh okay so I didn't super panic at first but then mm-hmm. she went and got the ultrasound and it was like the same thing it was like there is no heartbeat <sighs> um yeah but like no signs and so were uh, you by yourself at this appointment no I was not my husband okay. was there um and it's just like, this was a Monday. I just remember the day um, in the afternoon. And like, yeah, I was, uh, and this time we had driven separately again. So like I'd met at the doctor's office. Um, And my OB was just like shocked. Same thing. So I got a colleague who like verified like, yeah, this is, this is, definitely there's no heartbeat the yeah so just it's crazy it's like a statue it's just like a a fully formed baby but just like not moving or anything were you and you mentioned with your third pregnancy that you still were feeling pregnant did was that still happening like you didn't like notice a change or anything no no well it was no I didn't and I was like oh I'm reaching 16 weeks like I'm gonna start feeling better um, I had been anxious to like start feeling the baby because some people can feel it at like 16 weeks. So I was like, you know, paying close attention to that and hadn't felt anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just figured it was too early. Um, yeah. I mean, there's probably like no words for that moment that they say that to you. No, there's no words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so it was kind of, and this time, she was like, I can't do the surgery. Like she, and so she referred me to someone else. Because of what happened last time? Well, because I was further along, I for sure needed a DME. Gotcha. It oh, actually, if it's past a certain point, you can't yeah. do a, oh, okay. Yeah. Like this one was much more involved. Like I had to take something to soften my cervix before I had the procedure. I think they intubated me because like I was I guess they I don't know your uterus is bigger they because I was very sore after that surgery like Mm. a couple days um so yeah um so yeah so then I had a dean e um and it's so surreal to like go into a surgery um pregnant basically. And then you just, mm-hmm. you just leave. And this one I did ask like, should I, cause some people do like 
want to go through labor when they lose a pregnancy that far along. And it was kind of the same thing. They were like, you can, but the risks um, are high that like, since your body is not recognizing this as a loss, um, like my body, you know, was not trying to get rid of the pregnancy at all, mm-hmm. that there would probably be something that would like be retained and I would have to have a DNC anyway. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. How, how were those two procedures? I talked to somebody on a previous episode who said that like her, and I would hope that anybody who's going through this has a team that is really like their bedside manner is good yeah. because it's such a sensitive thing. How, how was that? Pretty good. I would say that the, the, the last DNE, my OB didn't do it, but she showed up and like talked to me in recovery. I don't remember because I was like all drugged yeah. out. Um, and the surgeon who did that one, she ended up getting me footprints. Like I have a picture I can, it's on my Instagram if you want to find it. Uh, um, but they're tiny, like smaller than a quarter. So, she, so that was really touching. That means like she took the care of like, yeah, finding the feet and getting me footprints. So that, um, that was good. I think the hardest wow. part is there's this, like, when you wake up, you're by yourself. Like when you're in recovery, John couldn't be there. So I had to like wait until my pain was under control and I was more awake until I could be with him. Um, and I mean like all of these happen at like a surgery center. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, in some regards, that's nice because one of the hardest things is like going to the OB appointments that you have to go to afterwards. Right. And like, I always ask like, can you schedule me in a time when there's not a lot of pregnant people coming, which they did. Um, they would put me like usually right before or right after lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't see as many pregnant people, mm-hmm. but yeah, for the most part I had good bedside manner. That's good. Yeah, I've heard horror stories, but yeah. Which is so like, come on people. I know. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, Yeah. Um, how, how was your and John's relationship during these two losses? I feel like it can go one of two ways of how it affects a marriage and a partnership. And yeah, it was, man, it was really hard time because also this, when I was pregnant, the second time his dad was really, had just been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Um, so we had that on our plates too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we are a good team. We always have been. So, um, it was trying, but like, I think it's harder in in my opinion for the man because he doesn't, the the support is like built in. Like my OB is going to check on me. Yeah. Um, but who's going to check on that's so true. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't, he didn't talk about it very much. That was going to be my question. Cause I feel like my husband like wouldn't say anything. He's mm-hmm. not super an emotional like talker. And I feel like I'd have to like really draw it out of him. And so that yeah. was gonna be my question of how did yeah, he Yeah. I mean, the very in? interesting thing is we both got tattoos after. 
Yes. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe, um, you can like send me a picture of it or it might be on, it might be on your Instagram. I don't know. And I can post it when your episode airs. It's yeah. I mean, our, our tattoos don't match, but like Mm -hmm. he's always wanted tattoo. And so like after the first loss, we got tattoos. Will you explain what yours is? Yeah. So mine is four. Um, now it's four. The, when I first got it, it was three aspen tree leaves um two are like attached to the main stem and then one's falling off um and then I had to get a fourth one another one falling off once we lost the other baby um and is an aspen think, tree special to you yeah it is so it's the tree that is um we go to central Oregon like the bend area every summer every summer and aspen trees grow like crazy up there and they are one of the like coolest trees because they're tall and skinny. They're kind of related to birch trees. So they have like white bark and they're tall and skinny. And the way that they like, they, some people call them quaking um, aspens because they, the way the wind catches them, they just like make this quaking sound. Yeah. Um, and like when I was there the summer after we lost the first baby, I just like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I can like super explain it, but it's like some people even believe that when it's quaking, they're like talking to the other world, um, these trees. So I don't, it just became like a symbol for me. Yeah. I love Um, that. What is your husband's? So he has two different ones. The first one he got is this like bird on the inside of his arm and it's from the book of Kells, which is the Gaelic translation of the of the new testament of the bible um and it is from it's kind of hard to explain but the um the beatitudes is like a gospel reading that was actually read at our we had we chose that as our wedding reading and so the way that book of kells works there's all these like images for each line of the bible and this is the one that is like um god I'll look it up and send it to you. But like, um, blessed are the, those who mourn for they shall inherit the earth or something. Okay. Yeah. So it's like here, it's like a bird eating his own tail or something. Okay. Yeah. And then after the second loss, he got like four bands on his forearm. So the first two are solid all the way around. And those are Ellie and Claire. And then the next two like start dark and fade. Oh, very cool. And those like, yeah. Maybe you guys can take a picture of both of yours together. Yeah. If, 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 if you have one, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have, yeah, John is, John's funny because like, he's like, my cohort, my employees don't know I have tattoos because he always wears, like he was very clear oh, about yeah. like, you know, he wears suits all the time. So yeah. um, he's funny about it. But like when we go to the pool and stuff, like people, people don't really ever see the one on the inside of his arm. Yeah. Um, but like this one, the forearm. You know, his forearm people see. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that was January, 2017. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, I was just like, not in a good space. That's when I became yeah. a bar three instructor. Cause I was like, needed something mm-hmm. different to like focus yeah. on. Um, Did you and, get time off after, after yeah. So both of the, these. Yeah, the first one, just the timing of it, I ended up taking four weeks off. Um, it was the end of the quarter, so my um, department chair covered the last two weeks, and then 
it was spring break. So I used okay. to start it the next quarter. Okay. And I swear that like actually going back to a new quarter and that time the students didn't know I was pregnant was like so welcome to just mm. go back and just like pour myself into this class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was good for me to go mm-hmm. back. Like the time off was good, but going back was good. Mm-hmm. The second time it was the like second or third week of the quarter. So I had no, I took two weeks off. I could have taken more, but you know, people were covering my class. So, yeah. um, so I went back and I remember that I, like when it happened, like I told my whole department to like all the students knew the all the other faculty knew. So I emailed one of the other professors and was like, can you tell the students, but like tell them that I don't want them to talk about it when I come yeah. back, which I'm not sure that was the best idea, but it's what I did. So yeah. um, it was really nice. So the juniors and seniors, like they all brought me a card. Um, oh, that's nice. And this is like engineering students, mostly 20 year old males. Yeah. So it was, like yeah. For really those nice. listening, y- you are a professor at a college in yeah. the Bay area. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, teach engineering. Um, so that was really nice. And they like sent me flowers too. So, um, that is so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right around then too was like, and we talked to doctors and we're like, okay, we'll just, we're just going to try just going to keep on trying. Did um, they do genetic testing on, on that fourth? Yeah. Too? And, 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 totally and normal. Yeah. I know. So um, no so one had they, any ideas what was going on. No. And so that's oh. when they started like, so then I got referred right away to a um, MFM, which is a maternal fetal medicine doc. It was like a high risk pregnancy doc. So they ran some more tests, um, kind of like the full blood work type of test that they run for infertility, like looking for all the like blood clotting disorders and, Mm -hmm. um, any hormone weird things with my hormones, like all that stuff. Um, and it's so funny because I remember thinking right away, like, gosh, this really feels like right away. They're only looking at me, right? Like they were not suggesting any of this for John, right? Like, um, yeah, he didn't do any tests right away. Like they were just testing everything on me. Um, and everything came back normal. So then we met with the MFM and she's like, well, I don't know. That's, I mean, basically that was all she yeah. could say. You're like, oh, great, like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty rare to have like two, I mean, 14 weeks, they consider, they considered both of them second trimester. Um, and so she's like, it's very rare to have two second trimester losses, but it could just be a fluke, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm a mathy type person. So I totally yeah. get that it, it could be a fluke. You could have a fluke two in a row flukes, but it's just so suspicious that they like, why would, why is my body like waiting so long? Yeah. Even though the babies are genetically normal. And um, after having two perfectly fine pregnancies that's the thing that was like really extra puzzling to them. They were like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we saw that was, yeah, we saw that MFM like also in the winter of 2017 and then just like went on our normal life. Then my, uh, did they say just like keep trying, like just keep, okay. Like keep trying, like maybe take aspirin in the two week wait. 
maybe aspirin. Um, it's like I think thin your the, blood or something. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Still, they think that I possibly have some like undiagnosed clotting disorder. Okay. Um, but so baby aspirin is like one way to to help with that. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, and so that was 2017. We we tried for a while, but then my father-in-law got really sick. Um, so we kind of stopped. And then it was like the holidays and I was like, I had already been pregnant two holiday seasons in a row. Um, and I was like, I don't want to be pregnant over Christmas and New Year's. Because mm-hmm. um, I had felt, I don't know, like I mentioned, when I'm pregnant, I'm not pleasant. And so I had felt like the girls had kind of like missed out on fun activities um, while I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Those two Christmas seasons. So I didn't. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we'll just hold off. So now it's like 2018 and we're just like trying. And then I went, then I, that's the first year I went to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my distractor distractions is to like, just throw myself in these projects. So like students asked me if I would help advise a project they were doing in Africa and then asked me to go with them. So um, I was like, sure. Which is so I'll cool. Go. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> um, so I went and so we kind of were like, okay, well, if you're going to Africa, we're not going to try to get pregnant till you get back. And at that time, even it was Zika still. Um, and I was in Uganda where actually Zika was first found. So they were kind of like, oh, you should wait like the six weeks after you get back um, before you try. I don't think we really did. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter now, but anyway, mm-hmm. so then all through like the spring and, um, fall of 2018, I was trying, we were trying and I was like, this is like getting weird now. I'm like 37 years old. Like I was able to get pregnant four times. Um, what's going on. So then I reached out to my OB since I'm like over 35 and then again, yeah. six months, um, and at that time too, I'm trying to remember. So my husband, after, I think after the second loss, might've been after the first, after one of them, he basically, not right away, very slowly lost 80 pounds. So um, this will come back in the story later. So he like lost weight. So like my OB was like, okay, well, I'll start doing some testing and see what, if I can see anything. Um, and again, like the testing was like all on This me. is for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and nothing was showing up. Um, and I was like, well, what about John? Like, should we have a, and she was like, well, I mean, he's lost 80 pounds. Like clearly if his sperm worked before it has to work now. Like, and I was like, okay, which is what you read in the literature, like losing weight can help blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and then eventually she's like, well, do you want to a second opinion um, do you, for like the lost stuff? I was like, yes. She's like, so she gave me a referral to a doctor at Stanford who is like a specialist on repeat pregnancy loss. And she's an RE. Um, what does that stand for? Reproductive? Reproductive endocrinologist. Yeah. Yeah. So she's an RE. So I went and met with her and she was, then she was like, Hey, well let's, so she kind of started with a clean slate. Um, and so she kind of did all the tests on me again, not all of them. Some of them 
we like were able to transfer from our medical group. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did a few more and then she's like, let's get a sperm analysis. Um, and we'll go from there. And then, so he went and did his first sperm analysis and it was terrible. <laughs> terrible. I know about those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we were like, what? And I think for him, that was the first time he was like, this could, this whole thing could have been my fault. I've been carrying around myself, like a lot of guilt that like, what's my body doing wrong with like not being able to carry these babies to term or like not being able to get, get pregnant. Um, to, so to hear that, like, oh, maybe it is his sperm was kind of like, for me, it felt like a little bit of relief Yeah, because it was just so much, um, yeah, just so much like pressure and constant, like, yeah. Yeah. Did he like, so when, after we found all that out, my husband said to me, like, I didn't even think it was like really a possibility. And I didn't really either until my sister said something. Like, did he think that it was really even a possibility? No. No one talks about the guy side. And it's so easy to find out too. I know. It's one of the least invasive things. Because also during this, like, I had like a a saline ultrasound. Uh And um, then they found a polyp. So then I had to get like a. Oh, like the polyp. Yes. Polyp. Whatever that thing. Ectomy. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. You know, which, you know, I probably would have needed anyway, but like, all you have to do is provide a sample. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so the first bad one, I don't know about your husband, but they're like, well, let's repeat it mm-hmm. just to like, make sure it's not, yeah, yeah. just a fluke. And we're like, okay. Yeah. Um, so he did, did they make him wait it. or could he do that um, right away? I think he did it like, well, in, during this time, we also had like an insurance snafu. So we ended up waiting a little bit anyway. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, he did when we repeated it, it was better, but not great. Um, so then was it like across got, the board, not great. Like all the factors um, were just not that great. Yeah. I think one of them actually had good volume, but they were like mostly mm. dead. Okay. And then um, some morphology issues. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then we got referred to a urologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we waited forever. It's like so much waiting, I right? Know. It's like, okay, well, you know, finding an appointment time that like I could go to and he could go to, um, was like impossible. So that was like last August. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and they found a God, I should have studied up on the right way to say this before I Ericoceal? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's basically like a um varicose vein in his testicles. Yeah. So like that can cause all kinds of problems, I guess. It can like heat up the sperm. So they die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and other things. So they were like, okay, we well, can block it too. Like yeah, block it block coming it. out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they are recommending surgery to fix that. And in the meantime, like maybe try some IUIs if mm. you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that was last August. Then I was going to Africa again in September. So we kind of were like, well, we're not going to do anything right away. Um, so 
that's kind of where we are because then I came back from Africa and then we like started a major home remodel. So we, it was like, just, and, and then I found a different RE because the Stanford one was like no longer my insurance, long insurance. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't cover my out of network thing anymore. So, okay. um, which is probably good because then she ended up, she's like very clinical. So she's doing like studies mm-hmm. more and not in the office anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met with a new RE who I like loved. Um, he was great. Um, he was the first one who was this whole time I'd been like in the back of my head, like maybe this is all like a blood clotting issue. Mm-hmm. And so he's the first one, first doctor who was like willing if I get pregnant again to like put me on, um, blood thinners, blood thinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone else says it's too much of a risk. Doesn't like the benefits don't outweigh the risks. He's willing to do that. But he also thinks that like the varicocele could have contributed to the losses. I was going to ask. Yeah. That and seems so, so interesting. What, like a not great sperm got through yeah. or something? Yep. Ah. That like his sperm DNA is basically messed up, oh. but it's not like a genetic thing. How it's interesting. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing that that could. Yeah. I think wow. it's like not very well documented because like okay. these like second trimester losses are not studied very well at all because they're not common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of like push to like figure it out because like mm-hmm. either it happens once and you're done and then you go on to have other kids or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he, he does think that it could be contributing. So he, this are you would like John to get it this reversed. Yeah. So our plan. Do they think he got it from losing weight? Was that a tie-in? No, that has never okay. been a tie-in. The tie-in was just that the doctor was like, it can't be John. He lost 80 pounds. The yeah. other thing is though, that the urologist did tell him like, you know, maybe he, he lost so much weight and it wasn't like a quick weight loss. He did it by like really watching what he eats and like not eating a lot of carbs. And the, um, the urologist was like, maybe just eat some carbs, you know, like maybe yeah. your body's also like eating itself somehow. Oh, wow. Yeah. They don't really know like about the varicelli. Like I think usually they're there for a much longer period of time. So like how yeah. it has developed. Yeah. Shane didn't, does, doesn't, I guess have that, but I've heard that sometimes it can be like painful too. Did he have any idea that there was anything mm-hmm. going on? No, no. See, always check the man. I know. It's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. Like you didn't, the test for this was not invasive, right? It's like yeah. external to yeah. the body. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. That would be my advice is push to get the nail checked first. <laughs> yeah, totally. Does he feel like he's like ready and willing to do the surgery or is that when like we had, whole- When we had talked about it, the last time we talked about it was like right before lockdown started mm-hmm. and it was kind of always, we've been going back and forth. Cause on the one hand, we love our two kids a lot and they keep getting older mm-hmm. and like, it would be harder to start over. Right. But on the other hand, we both feel like we have more space in our family. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Um, and so it's been this like back and forth, back and forth. And then, um, he kept just like pushing the ball down the court and I was like, okay, we need to like have like a 
don't want to say a deadline, but like, I'm willing to like commit to just two kids, but I need to know because in the meantime, we just like try which is really hard, like mentally, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Well, cause yeah, every um, month you're like, am I, am I not? Yeah. Like what's going to happen? And even yeah. now I, I know our chances are probably low. It's still like in the back of your mind. You always hear about these like miracles. That, like, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 We're like not, I mean, obviously it's same thing. Like there's like what, probably like a 1% chance that we yeah. can conceive naturally. And it's like, do we even like, it's so stressful to try too. then yeah. and on the woman, like that took up so much of my mental capacity of just tracking what my body was doing. And it's like, like you I live can't. your life in these like two week increments, like two weeks. You're like, okay, should we have sex today? Or should we wait till tomorrow? Yes. Should we do it every other day or every day or seven times a day? Like yeah. what do we do? And then you like second guess every, um, every decision. And then you're like, okay, that part's done. Yeah. Now I just have to sit here and wait. And yeah. like, Can I have this glass of wine? Should I yeah. not have this glass of wine? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so yeah. hard. Yeah. So like right before lockdown, we had decided because I was supposed to go again to Africa this September and like our house would be done that we would like in September go back to the RE. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we in the meantime, I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to Africa. Why don't you like get in touch with the surgeon and just like put it on the books? Mm-hmm. You know, if it has to get pushed back, pushed out, it'll get pushed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I've heard I mean, like I, I've heard of other stories where the man has done that surgery, and I think they say even like it takes like three-ish months after it to like right. see improvement. Yeah, too. yeah, I know. It's again yeah. that waiting. Nothing is instant in this world. No, no, yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, it's like we are both so busy. He's still mm-hmm. working a ton, so you know, whole days go by where we're like, yeah, nothing happened, and yeah, so yeah, kind of in this limbo. Yeah, which is hard. Yep, yep, yeah. So I don't know that this whole thing might be the end of our family building mm-hmm. um but it might not be we'll see yeah. I'm also almost 40 so that's like that's added mm-hmm. consideration mm-hmm. um so yeah that's the story Thank you for sharing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I have a few questions so okay. one is what was something or some things that because so when you went through these two miscarriages your friends and family knew about it um what are some things that they did that felt really helpful or supportive to you um was there anything that you like think back and you're like you know what that I like needed that so much um I feel like it's I'm hoping that people, that some people listening maybe aren't going through it, but know somebody who is and want to know kind of how to support. And so I'm curious if. Yeah. Um, so I think saying things like you can try again or um, everything happens for a reason um, or like God needed that soul. Those things, like saying those things are, are the opposite of helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think eventually I became like almost immune to them where I realized like this person is saying this because they don't know what else to say and feel like they have to fill the void. Mm. Um, um, I think for me, one of the hardest things was like a lot of the sort of thought around like this has happened, this happened for a reason. Um, Cause I just don't believe that. I don't believe that with like infertility either. Like, Oh, you're infertile because God knows you can handle it. Like that kind of stuff like is not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just, even though like I grew up Catholic, my kids go to Catholic school. I just don't believe that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I forget. Did you go to Catholic school? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, all 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to St. Francis? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So like that stuff to me is not helpful. Um, the things well, that yeah, were you help- can flip it and you can be like, yeah, but why would he, why would God want me to like be in this much pain? I know. Right. You know, like that know, is, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Um, the thing that are the, the most helpful is like when people ask, like, what did you name your babies or like really acknowledge that there was a life there. Yeah. Um, that what those were like the best. Will you um, share what, what did you name your babies? Yeah. So the, when we lost the first one, we didn't want to find out the gender. I don't know why. So that one I just call Aspen. Um, and then. Which is a really second, pretty name. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second one it, we named Jude. Um, oh, I think after, I knew that actually. I feel like I remember yeah. seeing that somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, probably. On Did you post Instagram, about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And I don't know why we landed on that name. It ended up being a girl um, that we named her Jude. And yeah. So like whenever I hear, hey, Jude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like a that feels special. But we named her after St. Jude. Okay. Um, so yeah. Is um, St. Jude the patron saint of something? I forget. I forget. Like, I was looking through saints or something and that one like stood out to me. Oh, let me mm-hmm. look it up real quick. So Jude patron. No, not of the Chicago police department. That's not <laughs> <what> I, mean. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really, oh. there was one, the book of Jude is really short. Mm. Um, and I really liked one of the, um, one of the sayings in it. You can cut okay. all this part out, but I can find it. Um, Anyway, so and you named her the, after after yeah after I like looked up mm-hmm. I don't know I forget how it kind of all fell into place but yeah it was like it just felt like right yeah I, I feel like that's be- so important too to like you said acknowledge like like even the wording that like hospitals use it makes it so distant from what it yeah. really is yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I would say people who gave me space, but also were there were really helpful. Like recognizing that I might not want to go to a baby shower. And I think the same Mm -hmm. is true if you're going through infertility, like, and if people know, like, I'm probably going to say no to baby showers. Um, so recognizing that and being okay with that, I think Mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone gave me an aspen tree as a gift that's like growing in our Aww. backyard. 
That's so that, cool. Yeah, that was a good gift. Um, yeah. Do you feel like kind of following like the person's lead too? Like if they have talked about it, like it's okay to kind of talk about, but if they yeah. haven't brought it up, maybe wait until they do. Yeah. Um, I think that even for me, like if someone knew, um, and I hadn't told them, I still was fine with them like saying something. Okay. Because, I feel like then it's kind of like, what, yeah. like obviously something happened. I mean, yeah, right. you know, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're not, you're not like pretending it didn't happen or ignoring right. it. I think yeah. that's, that's hard when people saying nothing can feel like this like void. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Even just yeah. like an, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is true for like anyone who's going through a hard time, like offering concrete help is like Mm. so much better. Like saying like, um, Hey, do you need milk? I'm going to the grocery store. Um, rather than like, how can I help you? Because so if someone is like, how can I help you? It's like, where do I even start? (laughs) Yeah. Where do I start? But it's so like, um, I became really good at like asking for exactly what I need. Like, Hey, I need help. Like making sure the girls have lunches. That are yeah. Made. So, that's like, what I was going to say. Someone, or like picking them like, up somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Or like, can you just take them for the day? Like that kind of stuff yeah. is good, but also like, um, meal meals are good, but, um, yeah. Like, or saying like, Hey, I'm going to come over and drop this off. Do you want company or do you want to be left alone right now? Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. And then I think too, if you, if you know someone that like has a loss, like make note of their due date mm. because that is like a really hard time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when you get to that due date and you're, cause you had just like you do every, you know, month when you think you might be pregnant like I swear to god when you see those two lines that is like everything just like this whole new path like opens up and so to like have to reverse Mm -hmm. um and like for me it was all like okay on September September 2016 this is what's gonna happen I'm gonna have a new baby and then so getting to that date and not that new life like not starting Mm -hmm. was really hard Mm mm-hmm when you think about like potentially trying again and going down that path, does it, do you feel like that anxiety just like begin? Yeah. 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 Um, I feel like I it's such be, trauma, infertility, losing yeah. a baby, all that is like, it's ingrained in anybody who goes through it. And it's something yeah. that is there, I think, until you maybe work through it. And even if you do work through it, I think it's still there. It's yeah. Yeah. And it comes up in like weird, weird ways. Um, yeah. Like you've said, like, so both pregnancies, I have family members that have kids. I had someone that had the exact same due date as me for the second pregnant for that fourth pregnancy. So like I, it's a family member. I see that kid like at holidays and it's this like blatant reminder um, of what I don't have. So that's, it continues to be hard even like years later. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for both of those losses. Thank you, you are like so in you are so inspiring if you don't if you don't know that, like so <laughs> strong and yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I think that like people I think people get that sense that like, oh, you're so amazing. You do like these trips and da da da. But like the truth is, and I my husband and I say this all the time, like I would trade um trade all of that for like a third kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I fill the void. Like I there's that book like option B, which I read, but like I commit I committed to the option B but that doesn't mean that I would not suddenly prefer option A. So I think a lot of people like view the way that I have, I won't say I've moved on, but the way that I've continued to like progress with my work as meaning that like, I'm no longer sad about what happened mm-hmm. um, or that I'm not still struggling with infertility. Like I think people think like, yeah. Oh, she, clearly she has just like shut that door and moved on. Um, and that's just my personality, I guess. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't just like, um, yeah, I needed, so for me, I think it's like a coping mechanism, right? Like mm-hmm. I cope by like filling every moment. And like a survival mode too, like a way to just yeah. probably survive. Yeah. 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 Well, I think there's some, like, I think there's like a saying, I don't know where I saw it, but it said like infertility doesn't just go away once you have a baby or once your family's complete, like it doesn't, it's always there. It's yeah. Yeah. You don't get to just like live a life of someone who never struggled. With right. Like that. I think you'll always be like, I hate using the word jealous, but like jealous of people who are just like, guess what? I'm pregnant again. Like, oops. You know, mm-hmm. I think even when you're done, you'll just because it's not anything that you'll ever experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a post like around mother's day that was like, I'll never know what it's like to like pee on a stick and be surprised by a pregnancy test. Right. I'll never know what it's like to all these things. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said something a second ago, I forget what it is, but it reminded me of you. I think when you reached out to me over Facebook, you said like, it's just, I already have my two kids. So like the fact that I'm struggling, like, I don't think you said doesn't seem fair, but that's just the way that I'm thinking about it. Right. Um, But I feel like that's such a good point to say that people who are struggling with the secondary infertility, like I don't have kids and of course I want kids, but my want for a child is no bigger than your want for another child. And so anybody going through who already has a kid, just know that like, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm speaking for me of, I don't like your frustration and your sadness and all that you feel like, I don't think it's any less than mine because you already have kids. Um, I appreciate you saying that because I did hear that from not people. I think it was like people that already had kids. They were like, well, you already have kids. Like, well, maybe it's people who, so if you are one who's got pregnant really easily, (laughs) just know that (laughs) for anybody who hasn't, it doesn't make the feelings any, any easier. Yeah. 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 How's it been with your sisters? Like, yeah. So they both got pregnant very easily and one right. got pregnant with twins naturally. Um, and so 
they've been super supportive. Like I definitely feel super supported by them and from like my wider extended family too. Um, but it's still just that thing of like not totally getting it. Like I feel like since I found out there's been just like constant like underlying sadness. <laughs> like even if I'm having like a happy day, there's still just like I don't feel as happy as like I have been in my life. And yeah. I don't think like they really get that. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, it's always in the back of my head. It's like just the other day I talked to our doctor and it's just like more waiting. And I like see like a commercial of like a baby and I'm like, I just want a baby. <laughs> like I, I just know. want a baby. And it's like, I can't just be like, Hey, let's start trying tomorrow and let it happen. Yeah. So, but I think I like for the most part, I feel very supported by them. Um, I think it's hard for, I mean, and I, I think I said this in my episode, I had a friend who it took like a year and a half to get pregnant and they were like about to start going to doctors and then they got pregnant. Um, but I didn't have like the empathy that I would have, that I have now. Like I did not know what that meant to that, what that felt like at yeah. all. Yeah. And that's totally changed. So I can't. Yeah. I feel like it's hard. Like, I don't want to make anybody who's not gone through this, like, feel bad that they don't get it. But you, how could you, you know, if you don't, yes, it's it's hard to to understand something if you've never been through it. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for chatting. Yeah. No problem. Thank you so much, Laura, for sharing your story. I know your journey isn't quite at its end point yet, but just know whatever you do decide, we are all with you and supporting you. Thank you all for listening. Remember, you can reach out to me on Instagram at the underscore pineapple podcast. And we also have an email now. It is thepineapplepodcast.stories at gmail.com. So if you want to share your story or reach out to chat, go ahead and send me a message on either one of those. And then we are now on iTunes, which is really exciting. So if you are listening on iTunes, please leave a review and a rating and subscribe so that next time a episode is released, it's ready to go in your library. Thank you so much for listening and see you guys next week.